This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Mets lose to the Dodgers 4-3. to three. A lot of talk about Donovan Mitchell and R.J. Barrett and the Knicks as we're about a month away, less than a month away from NBA training camps opening. And before you know it, October 19th, the Knicks in Memphis to take on the Grizzlies right here in 98.7 ESPN New York. It will be here. Yankees all over the Angels right now, 7-2. to two. Greg Weissert is on in relief of Jamison Tyone, who left after taking a line drive off of his left wrist in the bottom of the second inning. So this is Weissert's first opportunity since uh, he got called up to make his major league debut over the weekend in Oakland to pitch in a real meaningful big spot. He came in with the score tied at two. The Yankees have, uh, or excuse me, he came in with the Yankees leading four to two. They've now extended to a seven to two lead, but he came in in his major league debut uh, on Friday, on Thursday night in mop-up duty and did not pitch well. He came in on Sunday with the Yankees losing 4 to nothing and pitched very well and now comes in in a big spot and holds the Angels uh, at two runs through the third and the fourth inning. So they're in the fifth inning now. Uh, Yankees leading the Angels 7-2. The, the headline, which I'm, I'm burying the lead, is Aaron Judge has hit his 51st home run of the season. But back to the Mets. It was a fun night at City Field. Timmy Trumpet was there. He played the seventh inning stretch. Unfortunately, Edwin Diaz did not come into the game, so he didn't get to hear the live uh, rendition of his song, of his entrance song. And the Mets do lose to the Dodgers by a score of 4-3. to three. Tough night for Pete Alonso. He goes 0 for 4. He strikes out three times. Andrew Heaney, who Yankee fans may remember, because last year you all wanted him out of town, didn't pitch well for the Yankees last season. Uh, he's got a 2.12 earned run average for the Dodgers. I mean, isn't it amazing? You put on the Dodgers uniform um, and you turn into an all-star. I mean, you have Joey Gallo. What did he bat today? He bat Joey Gallo's hitting fifth in their lineup. Now, of course, he's Joey Gallo, so he's still batting 165. But he did drive in a run because he got hit by a pitch with the bases loaded. But, you know, Joey Gallo goes to the Dodgers and contributes. Andrew Heaney has a 2.12 ERA. Goes five innings tonight, two earned runs, eight strikeouts. Alonzo strikes out three times. And afterwards, Buck Showalter on the night of his slugging first baseman. Elevated fastball. It's a very in vogue thing nowadays. That's what people do. We, we talk about it before the game. You know exactly what they're going to try to do. And, uh, you know, try to get on top of it. But he kept getting it in a spot. You know, sometimes there's one hitter where he just gets the ball in a spot where, you know, Pete's got all that p potential power in his, in his hands. And, you know, it's hard to lay off of that and get on top of it. But that's one reason why he's. You know, having such a good year for them is he's kind of uh, gotten into a position where he can uh, use that pitch a lot more than he has been able to in the past. You know, if he gets it there, just not on peak. You know, he got it there on five or six of our hitters. You know, we walked, I think, eight guys tonight and hit by pitch. That's nine base runners. You know, in some ways we're forcing to be there at 4-3. Now, the Mets were helped by the Braves losing to the Rockies in Atlanta, 3-2. to two. So the Mets lead over the Braves, still three games, three games in the loss column. This game was tied at three. Mets had an opportunity, bottom of the sixth inning, 3-3 three, three game, two outs, runners on first and second and two outs, and James McCann struck out to end the inning and end the rally. And Showalter was asked afterwards if he considered 
using a pinch hitter for McCann in that big spot? Uh, yeah, I considered it. And why? Why not? Uh, you know, uh, I've got a pinch runner. I have to run for bogey in the six. Uh, Beatty wasn't available tonight. Uh, some other situations where we were a little short that that early would have really cramped us to cover the game. Sorry, who did you say was unavailable? Pardon? Who did you just say was unavailable, sir? Uh, Beatty's unavailable. He's got he dove for a ball yesterday and his thumb was real sore today. Didn't want to use him to hit or field tonight. I was going to use him to pinch run for bogey, so it really, you know, cramped some of the things we could do earlier in the game. So the Mets shorthanded, lacking a little bit of depth tonight, and it cost them in what could have been their biggest at-bat of the game, not having a pinch hitter easily available uh, with runners on first and second and two outs. And it was a tough break. Look, this was these are the two best teams, and Los Angeles is 10 games ahead of the Mets in the loss column, and that's how good the Dodgers are. They That was their 90th win this season. But the score, again, was tied at three. Top of the seventh, Joely Rodriguez on. And Freddie Freeman hits a routine ground ball to third, a weak ground ball to third. But unfortunately for the Mets, the shift was on, and there was no one playing the third base position. And it trickles into shallow left field, and Freeman, hustling out of the box, is on with a leadoff double. I mean, if you look in the play-by-play on ESPN.com, it says Freddie Freeman doubled to third. How often do you see that? Then he's moved over on a ground out by Max Muncy. Runner on third with one out. After an intentional walk, an infield single by Gavin Lux scores Freeman, which wouldn't have happened if they didn't advance him to third on the ground. This is what winning teams do. The Dodgers are a winning team. And this, look, we're not going to learn everything about the Mets this weekend, but there was a case to be made that coming out of this weekend, if the Mets win the series, which they can still do, and they have DeGrom pitching tomorrow, but if the Mets were to win the series or were to sweep the series, which that's now off the table, an argument could be made that maybe the Mets are the team to beat in the National League. So we'll see how the next two games play out. The one thing we know from today, this was an extremely tightly played game. The Mets had an early lead, one nothing. The Dodgers scored three in the third to go up three to one. The Mets tied it with solo home runs, Starling Marte, Marcana, and then the winning run scored on a double to third base, followed by a ground out advancing him to third, an intentional walk, and an RBI infield single. It's not like the Dodgers smacked the Mets around the yard. And the bullpen did a pretty good job for the Mets after Taiwan Walker was lifted in the middle of the sixth inning. Bullpen did a pretty good job. Again, Rodriguez gives up the game-winning run, takes the loss, Freeman gets on base because he hits a weak ground ball to third base and they were playing the shift. That's how Freddie Freeman got on base to lead off the top of the seventh inning and ultimately came around to score the game-winning run in the Mets' 4-3 to defeat. So the series continues tomorrow. Uh, the Yankees are looking to snap their three-game losing streak. And they're in the bottom of the fifth inning now in Anaheim. And the Yankees... Leads 7-2, to two, home runs by Andrew Benatendi, Anthony Rizzo, and the 51st home run for Aaron Judge, keeping pace with Roger Maris. I mean, think about that. We've never said that this late in the season, especially for a Yankee. I mean, the last time you talked about keeping pace with Roger Maris was 1998. Jacob and Harvey, you guys don't remember that, right? You guys weren't, you guys weren't following every day in 1998. How old were you, you young guys? 
Huh? I was about three. Yeah, so you <laughs> you you weren't following when ESPN News would cut into McGuire's at bats in the middle of August or Sosa's at bats in the middle of August. You you weren't glued to that, were you? Yeah, born in ninety five. I didn't yeah, catch much much about anything. Ninety eight. I had just finished my uh, well, it should have been my freshman year in college, but we'll just call it my first year in college because I had to try that freshman year in college thing a second time. But uh, that's where I was at that point. But like, that was the last time we spoke about um, somebody on pace with Roger Barris. Because once that record was broken and, and McGuire broke it and then Sosa surpassed it as well, once the Maris record was broken, it was broken. And this was the amazing thing that I never realized because then there was that span 98, 99, 2000, 2001, culminating in 01 when Bonds hit the 73 home runs. And, and Yankee fans who are my age surely remember this or even a little younger. Um during that stretch, 61, which was for my entire life until 1998, for my entire 20 years of existence, thank you, was that magic, hallowed number. And then once it was gone, it was gone. But then at the beginning of the season, in May or June, when you start to see Judge on this pace that could potentially happen, it didn't even dawn on me that no American League player, let alone a Yankee, I knew a Yankee had never surpassed 61. I didn't realize that 61 was never surpassed by anybody in the American League. It was only done by McGuire a couple of times and Sosa a few times and, and Barry Bonds the one time, all National Leaguers. So the 61 obviously still stands as the Yankees record, but it still stands as the American League record. And that's a big deal when you consider everything else that we know about the home run chase. You know, there's a reason why none of those guys that have surpassed Roger Maris are in the Hall of are, are in the Hall of Fame. None of them are. Maris isn't in the Hall of Fame, by the way, either, but for different reasons. But Bonds isn't in the Hall of Fame. McGuire's not in the Hall of Fame. Sosa's not in the Hall of Fame. Those numbers are tainted, and I think everybody just kind of forgot about the home run chase. And the that that's the one that that's the biggest backlash for a guy like Bonds and a guy like McGuire and Sosa, but more Bonds because Bonds has both records right now. Bonds has the single season. Bonds has the all-time home run record. Baseball fans like me who grew up obsessed with the game and the numbers and the statistics, you know, baseball's the one sport that's always in lockstep with statistics and hallowed numbers and everything like that. And these steroid-era guys, Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, and, and the rest of them, but those are the main ones because they're the ones who, who broke the records, they took that specialness away from numbers like 755 and 61, stuff like that. And that's why, you know, well, Bonds is also, you know, prickly and, you know, kind of a jerk throughout his career, so people didn't like him for that, but... I never met him. He wasn't prickly or a jerk to me. That's why the media who covered him didn't like him. But I think the reason why the average baseball fan doesn't like those guys is because numbers and baseball were always so closely associated. Always. 56-game hitting streak. 2,130 consecutive games for Lou Gehrig. 61 home runs for Maris in 61. I mean, how poetic is that? 60 home runs for Ruth. 755 home runs for Hank Aaron. You knew all the numbers growing up. Now, nobody really cared after we, we learned that it was tainted by Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa. This isn't tainted. I, I don't think it's tainted. I'm not, I'm not out here, you know, 
um, trying to stir the pot here. I mean, we we just had a very prominent Major League Baseball player fail a performance-enhancing test a couple of weeks ago. Fernando Tatis Jr. They're testing, all right? As Mike Ford, the former Yankee, goes deep to make it 7-3. Lucas Lidke pitching now for the Yankees. So Weiser did his job. They're testing for steroids in Major League Baseball right now, which is strengthening the case of Judge. And here we are entering September, and we actually have a legitimate home run chase, something that I never thought we would be able to enjoy again. But the fact that it's a Yankee, obviously going after the Yankee record, but a Yankee going after the American League record that is currently held by a Yankee, it could be fun. All right, we're going to transition back to basketball after a quick break. Again, Yankees now lead the Angels 7-3 after the Mike Ford home run. Mets fall to the Dodgers 4-3. to How valuable are these draft picks for the Knicks? Well, when you hear what I have to say after the break, you might not be as concerned with the Knicks letting go of all of them if they have the opportunity to bring back Donovan Mitchell. It's Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. When you look at where this franchise is right now, and it's just another example of how it's not the same old Knicks. It's not the Knicks from the pre-Amari Stoudemire, Carmelo Anthony days when Donnie Walsh had to be brought in and jump through hoops to clear salary cap space and get the franchise back on track, which he did as a result of Donnie Walsh's maneuvering. Even though he was only here for three seasons, he laid the groundwork for the Knicks to go to the playoffs three consecutive seasons. And then they fell off once again after 2013. That next year, Tyson Chandler got hurt early in the season. The next couple of years, Carmelo Anthony wasn't healthy And the next thing you know, you look up and it's been seven years and no playoffs, which ended in 2021. There was all the excitement. They got the number four seed, home court advantage, gardens sold out, rocking until they lose in five games to the Atlanta Hawks, and then a step backwards last season. So now it's been eight out of the last nine years, no playoffs for the Knicks. So now you have an opportunity to improve your team. And all of the callers that I have, had and spoken with and all the calls that I have fielded over the last few weeks and months and really even years, this idea that it's championship or don't do anything is foolish to me. That's no way to build a team to run a business. There are very few teams in the NBA that are one move away from a championship. The Knicks are not one move away from a championship. Let's see. What would the move be for the Knicks? Who is, I mean, it's not even, you know, five years ago, three years ago, you could say, oh, well, you bring in LeBron James and you could win a championship. But you, you can't even say that about LeBron James anymore. You know, who were the best players in the NBA? LeBron, Kevin Durant, Giannis. If you put Giannis on the Knicks, are are you a championship team? Yeah, you, you know, well, you probably are. You're probably a championship contending team, but that's not realistic. You're not getting Giannis. He signed long term. He's not a free agent. He's shown no inkling of wanting to come to New York. He made those weird comments a couple weeks ago about how he could possibly see himself playing in Chicago before the end of his career, which I thought was interesting. But that's not realistic, so that's not even worth discussing. 
The bottom line is there is not a realistic move that makes the Knicks a championship contender right now. So what are they supposed to do? Nothing? Just sit on their hands and wait for the... How long have they been waiting for this? LeBron James in 2010? Kevin Durant in 2016? They couldn't even get a meeting? And all the free agents in between that did not come to New York. You know who came? Amari Stoudemire in 2010. And then Carmelo Anthony wanted to come later that season and did via trade. And now you got Jalen Brunson. And now you have a player more accomplished than Brunson, multiple-time All-Star, who has put up huge numbers in the postseason, who wants to come to New York. I mean, it helps that he's from New York, but he wants to come to New York. Does Donovan Mitchell make the Knicks a championship contender? He doesn't. But what does the Knicks rotation look like with Mitchell? What does their lineup look like with Mitchell in there instead of Evan Fournier? It's one of the better starting fives in the Eastern Conference with Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell and R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson. That's a playoff starting five. And to the caller who last hour said he's tired of the Knicks cleaning house to acquire these guys, I'm sorry, but trading Fournier and let's just say Quinton Grimes and Obi Toppin and five first-round draft picks, that's not cleaning house. Cleaning house would be R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, and now you're starting from scratch around Donovan Mitchell. No, No, this is the last time the Knicks had an opportunity to bring in a multiple-time All-Star. And I know a lot has been said. Probably the Carmelo Anthony trade has probably been dissected more than any other, certainly NBA trade in this town in the last 20 years. Maybe even more than most sports trades made in this town. And looking back on it, and to be honest, in the moment, I thought the Knicks gave up too much money. I thought Carmelo Anthony, and I've said this several times right here on this station, Carmelo Anthony was thinking about himself and his own financial situation, and that screwed the Knicks because Carmelo Anthony, if he really wanted to come to New York, could have waited till the end of the year and signed as a free agent. But the collective bargaining agreement was about to expire, And Carmelo wanted to be traded to the Knicks in season or the Nets because the most important thing to him was making as much money as he possibly could. So he wanted to, and the Knicks were his preference and he wanted to come to New York before the season ended so he could sign a contract extension that would kick in under the old collective bargaining rules before the new CBA started up that offseason after the lockout. And that's exactly what he did. So Carmelo got his money. But because he forced the Knicks' hand into trading for him midseason, what'd they lose out on? Draft picks, Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari, Raymond Felton, Timofey Mozgov. All of those guys were effective NBA players, went on to have good NBA careers. Gallinari's still playing. He was a key piece Acquired by the Celtics this offseason, all these years later, 14 years after the Knicks drafted him. Which brings me back to the Knicks draft. But before I go dive into that, 
The correlation between Carmelo and Donovan Mitchell is this. The Knicks at that time had a decent team. They had a team fighting for a playoff spot with those guys I just mentioned that were traded to Denver. But more importantly, with Amari Stoudemire, who in his first year in New York was an all-NBA level player. And now you had an opportunity to add Carmelo Anthony to that. This is the first time since then that the Knicks have had an opportunity to add a multiple-time All-Star to a team that's already pretty good. The Knicks right now are pretty good. As I said last hour, they should be in the mix for one of those final playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. Now, there's a lot of depth in the East. It starts with Boston and Milwaukee. You have to include Brooklyn as long as Durant and Kyrie Irving are still there. You still have Philadelphia. Miami was the number one seed last year. Atlanta, perfect no, but worth mentioning, sure. So that's six teams right there. So the spots the spots fill up quickly when you're trying to project where the Knicks are. That's why it was so impressive. And I know it was a different type of year. It was a 72-game schedule. There weren't fans in the stands for most of the season. Players were in and out of the lineup with COVID absences. But still, the fact that the Knicks not only made the playoffs two years ago, but were a four seed, that's impressive if you think about it. I know they didn't win the first round series, but that really did come out of nowhere. Especially when you try to size up where they are in the Eastern Conference this year. I already just named six teams that you can make a very good case, especially with the five not including Atlanta, that the Knicks aren't better than even if they have Donovan Mitchell. But we're talking about what do the Knicks look like right now. But this is the first time since the Knicks traded for Carmelo Anthony that they have a chance to bring in a multiple-time All-Star and add to a roster that's already pretty good. This hasn't happened since then. And how did that last one turn out? It was the only playoff series they've won since 2000. They won the division. They won 54 games. They were the number two seed. They made it to the second round of the playoffs. Tell me. I want to hear the Knicks fan right now call me and who who wouldn't sign for that. Which Knicks fan would not sign for that right now? Number two seed, second round of the playoffs this coming season. That's why this thought that, well, if that move doesn't make you a championship team, that's that's foolish. It's not realistic. That's not how this is done. Get better. And then you don't know how much better your team can be. But get better and let's see what happens. Which team around you that you're competing with is going to take a step back? Because it always happens. The Knicks were the team last year that took a step back. You know, think about a team like Cleveland. Surprised everybody. They were in the hunt for much of the season had some injuries, ended up losing in the playing tournament. But they came from the dregs of the NBA to be a playoff caliber team all of last season. Well, if if one team's going to move into a playoff position, then another team has to move out. Unfortunately for the Knicks, last year, they were the team that moved out. Give yourself a chance. Get better. Give yourself a chance and see what happens from there. All right, it's Pat O'Keefe here on 98.7, See a couple of calls coming in on this topic. We're going to take a quick break and then get to the phones as we continue on 98.7. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. 
1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Birdo in Mountain Lakes. Birdo, how you doing tonight? Pat, I'm doing well. I'm a 65-year-old Knicks fan. Been watching them since 69. Um, they've had terrible drafts the last 20 years. But one thing I am going to say is I trust Leon Rose because three of the t- players that you're talking about, Grimes, Toppin, Quickly, being traded, they're his picks. And he got them with the 25th pick, two of them. All right. He also has a couple other guys. So I'm going to trust him to do what he thinks best. It's not the same old Knicks, not Phil Jackson, not Isaiah Thomas. So what do you I think agree with that? that? It's not the same old Knicks. Now, it's not a significant right. difference. You, you know, one playoff appearance in the last three years. It's not knocking your socks right. off. But if you if you examine this closely, Berto, which you obviously have, it is not the same old Knicks. No, and he and these are guys that you know Utah's interested in, so they must have some kind of value. So I think any team would be interested in them. Pick. If 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 I were an NBA executive, I would be interested in any three of those guys. Right. So I think we have to trust him, and uh, what he does is going to do the best for the Knicks, and it's not going to be the same old Knicks. Now I agree with you. I would love to get Donovan Mitchell, but he's not going to give up the farm. We have to trust him. No, and I agree, and thanks for the call. If he was going to give up the farm, he would have already given it up. Because right? Danny Ainge has asked for the farm, and Rose hasn't. And then you know what? Good for him, because him signing R.J. Barrett yesterday and making that move at this point is kind of him, you know, thumbing his nose at Danny Ainge a little or puffing out his chest and saying, all right, well, you want all these guys you think you could handpick anybody off my roster you think were that desperate to take Donovan Mitchell, well, here, I'm going to now make my number one asset because that's what R.J. Barrett was, especially on his rookie contract. I'm going to make my number one asset in the entire organization much more difficult to obtain. And that's what he did yesterday. He's like, I'll still play ball with you, but this just shows that life goes on for us. We're still a better team than we were last year. And if you want to do business with Donovan Mitchell, I'm still willing to talk. I kind of like the move by Leon Rose yesterday. Buddha in the Bronx. Buddha. Hey, What's Pat, up, Buddha? You know what, Pat? Man, Pat, listen. You know, I, I campaigned, like, via Twitter and a couple of different uh, avenues for you to get a certain spot here. Um they went in another direction, but I have to be honest with you, man. I mean, like, I love hearing your perspective, man. I mean, I love your objectivity, man. Like, you know, you know, you, you call it like you see it, man. And I, I truly appreciate that about you. I just wanted to put that in there. In the Buddha, I appreciate you know I mean? that. I could I could have used you about a month ago, Buddha. <laughs> I tried. No, Pat, I tried a couple of times. I know. Times, nobody I, wasn't listening. I appreciate you saying <laughs> that. All right, listen. I got a I got a different perspective on this Mitchell thing, you know. Not as because you know, Pat, I'm a, I'm a Sixers fan. I'm, I'm not a Knicks fan, I, I, but I don't root against them. If they're not playing the Sixers, I always root for them, whoever they're playing against. And um, you know, when I watch the Knicks, Pat, I, I don't watch. I'm not watching the Knicks to look at Julius Randle. You know, I'm not I'm not watching the Knicks to look at, at Derrick Rose. To be quite honest with you, and um, you know, Grimes. You know, Grimes, Mitchell Robinson, Jericho Sims. I mean, I could take them or leave them. You know, when I turn on the Knicks game, you know, as a casual Knicks fan or somebody who's just looking for some entertainment, you know, especially when the Jets are like three and whatever they are, you know, <laughs> by, by, by the middle of, 
of November. You know, yeah, I'm more interested in, in the development of R.J. Barrett. You know, I, I like Quickly and I like Toppin. You know, obviously they're not going to trade Barrett. It's a good thing that the Jazz don't want Barrett because it, it, it sounds like the Knicks would have traded him. And I wasn't even the biggest Barrett fan, but I have to admit it. You know, I'm I'm the kind of person, I admit the truth. The, 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 the man is growing. He's a young kid, and he gets better and better every year. So, you know, he's a non-negotiable. But, you know, with the Donovan Mitchell, man, like, like, listen, he's a good, good, very good player. And I'm not saying I don't want the Knicks to get him. I'm not saying that. That's that's not what I'm saying. But if it's going to be more about picks and incorporating another team, I'm all for it. But this stuff about giving four picks, giving topping quickly, I mean, you're going to be left. Listen, you're going to be very disappointed as a Knicks fan. If the cupboard is bare and you got just him, you got Brunson and R.J. Barrett. I mean, Derrick Rose, like, yo, I'm going to tell you something, Pat. Every, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to be mean to Derrick Rose. But, like, when I keep hearing about, like, we're gonna, we can't wait till Derrick Rose comes back. Like, like come on, bro. <laughs> like, come on, man. You know, what, what, what's, where's that going? Like, look at these young guys. You got to keep a couple of them. And they're getting better each year. You got to keep a couple of them. I don't want to see Donovan Mitchell here with, you know, a bunch of guys, R.J. Barrett and him. I, I don't see that as any way being better than like a seventh or eighth seed playing type team. I mean, and I don't know how you feel about that, Pat, but come on. Listen, a couple things. And thanks for the call, Buddha, and the kind words. I always appreciate you. Mitchell makes them a better team. I've said that. And it's, it's it's just a fact. I think they're a better team right now than they were last year. Um, I think if they brought Mitchell in. Now, here's the interesting thing about the Mitchell trade. All right. The guys that would go to Utah in a potential trade are not the top players on the roster. Who, who are the top players on the Knicks roster right now? Why are they a better team? Because they have Jalen Brunson. Because they have R.J. Barrett. Because they have Julius Randle. And yes, Julius Randle is still an above-average starting NBA power forward who was one of the 10 best players in the NBA two seasons ago. And I've been on the record many, many times about Julius Randle. He, in my opinion, fits in much better when he doesn't have to carry the load. Well, let's just, for sake of this conversation, put Mitchell on the Knicks. You got Mitchell. You got Brunson. You got R.J. Barrett, who continues to improve every year, like Buddha just said, and that's one of the things that I, and more importantly, the Knicks love about R.J. Barrett. There's a lot less responsibility on Julius Randle, and I think that's an important piece of this, okay? If Randle plays with those three teammates, and, you know, Mitchell Robinson inside last year, second in the NBA in offensive rebounds per game doing his thing, if Randall gets to play in that lineup, I think you could see a Julius Randall much closer to the one we saw two years ago as opposed to the one who tried to do too much last year and took too much on last year. And when he wasn't as successful in doing that, the frustration started to show, and at several points, it started to boil over. Now, there is a cost, and again, there's obviously 
a limit for Leon Rose because if there wasn't a limit for Leon Rose, he would have made the trade already. He's had ample opportunity to make this trade. He could have said in July, all right, well, you got, you know, six first round picks for Rudy Gobert here. Here's six first round picks, four of them unprotected, plus Fournier, plus Toppin, plus Grimes. You want Deuce McBride? You take him too. He didn't do that. So there is a cost, and I agree with that. I think I, I would like to see Mitchell on this team. I think he clearly makes them a better team. But you can't give everything up for Donovan Mitchell. You can't give everything up for any one player. I mean, the Knicks learned that in 2011 with Carmelo Anthony. And yeah, the Knicks got better with Melo and went to the playoffs three years in a row and won the division and won 54 games and won a playoff series. But just think of how good they could have been if Melo, this is one of the great what-ifs, probably the greatest what-if for the Knicks of this century, just think how good those Knicks could have been if Melo would have just waited and joined a team with Amari and with Raymond Felton and with Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari, Timofey Mozgov, and the guys who were already there. Think about that. It's a big what if. Because here's the thing. The Knicks draft picks, and this is why when everybody's like, oh, you can't go up too many draft picks. Well, if you're going to treat your draft picks like this, then maybe you can. 2000 draft Danelle Harvey. 2002 Nene Hilario, who they spun into Antonio McDice. 2003 Michael Sweetney. 2005 Channing Fry had a good career. Not in New York. David Lee, probably the best draft pick of the 20th century before Porzingis. 2006, two first-round picks. Ronaldo Balkman, Marty Collins. 2007, Wilson Chandler. Good player, not in New York. 2008, Danilo Gallinari. Good player, not in New York. 2009, you miss out on Curry by a pick. And you end up selecting Jordan Hill when DeMar DeRozan went two picks later. 2011, Iman Shumpert. 2013, Tim Hardaway Jr., solid NBA player. 2015, Porzingis. We don't need to go down that road tonight. We only have 15 minutes left in the show. 2017, Frank Nielakina. You could have just picked Donovan Mitchell then. I wouldn't have had anything to talk about for the last two hours if he did that. 2018, Kevin Knox. 2019, R.J. Barrett. 2020, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly. 2021, Quentin Grimes. This is why the Barrett signing is important. At some point... At some point, you have to plant your flag on a guy who's going to be a cornerstone of your franchise. Doesn't need to be the best player. Look what the Toronto Raptors did all those years when they were good, okay? They went to the playoffs. They competed for division championships. They had a lot of disappointing playoff exits, most of them at the hands of LeBron James. But they had these two cornerstone guys, one of whom they drafted in DeMar DeRozan, the other who they acquired in a trade in Kyle Lowry. And those were the cornerstones of the franchise. And they had those guys year after year, bringing them to the playoffs, putting them in position 
where they could make the one big bold move that they did in 2018 in the trade for Kawhi Leonard. And now all of a sudden, yeah, you have your cornerstone franchise guy still there in Kyle Lowry, but he wasn't the star of that team. But he got the team to the place where if you just added one more piece, and in this case it was Kawhi Leonard, you could win the NBA championship. At some point, you got to plant your flag on a guy. This is a cornerstone of my franchise. And last night, with the news from Woj that the Knicks and RJ had agreed on this rookie extension, the Knicks finally, finally did that. And it had been a very, very long time since they did that. Let's get another call in before the break. Renee in Queens. Renee, what's up, man? Hey, Thad. How's it going? Good. How you doing? I'm well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to uh, tell you one thing that I enjoy listening to your um, objective and, you know, your point of view. Um, great. First, Thank you. Uh, first of all, supporter, first time calling, but I just had to chime in about this whole Donovan trade that I think the Knicks should definitely do. Um, this is a star-driven league. We're talking about the New York Knicks. It's been long overdue, long-time, lifetime Knicks fan. We need a star. We, we, we proved it in the past. No free agent is signing here. We, um, the Knicks management proved it that their scouting is terrible. They, they, even with all those picks, they're not, they'll get the worst player out of – out of <clears throat> out of out of the lineup, they, so the only way they can actually get a star player in New York is by trading for one. And honestly, if they want to compete in the East, to compete at least, because I think there's you you mentioned six teams. I think there may be more than six, maybe eight. Yeah, I didn't even name Chicago. I didn't name Cleveland. You're right. There's exactly. others that you could certainly Toronto, include there. Toronto, and, I, yep. and I'll and I'll and I'll even throw in the Wizards. Because they have a bunch of role players that play well together when they're when they're really on, on when when they're healthy, but the only way the Knicks are going to get a star player to come here is by trading for for Donovan Mitchell, and I think he's great. You have three years on him. He's young. He's a twenty-plus point player season every season, and you never know what could happen. You know That's when he comes thing. in, Renee. With, with that, young, that, that last line you um, said. And thanks for the call. That last line you said, that's that's why you do this trade at the right price. You don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this. If you have Mitchell on this team instead of Fournier, and I understand your your depth will be depleted with Toppin and quickly or Grimes moving on. But if you have Mitchell on this team, you're a better team. And the chances of you getting better from there, it's the snowball effect. The better you are, the easier it is to become better from there. And on and on and on. And that's why you, under the right circumstances and at the right price that you're comfortable with, that's why you make this trade. And that's why I still think it's going to happen. There is still time. This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show.